Hey baby, ¿qué pasó? I thought I was your only vato. Yo, what's up, gente? You are tuned in to another episode of the Chicano Podcast. And my name is Belon. I appreciate you being here today. This is being brought to you by Steve Garcia. It's being brought to you by Chicano. It's being brought to you by Chocast. And uh, today's episode is going to be about a really cool ball game called Tlachli. Um, I think some people call it Ulama or Ulana or something like that. Um, but um, it's actually it's actually Tlachli. And um, <clears throat> our uh, our people. Our gente uh, used to play this game, and um, it is the first game ever in the world uh, to be played uh, with the rubber ball. As a matter of fact, I think it's the first uh, real uh, sport uh, in the world. Um, you know, I could be wrong on that. If you want to go ahead and research it, go for it. Uh, but yeah, you know, there were only... Um, six original civilizations and um, us having two of them um, and two of them, uh, you know, being uh, users of this uh, ball court system um, called Tlachli is uh, pretty cool. Um, so um, let's just go ahead and um, move on. Maybe some of y'all know a little bit about it and where it's originated, but um, they do call it a Mesoamerican uh, ball game. Uh, you know, that, you know, was basically a sport, um, some people like to say, um, whatever they want to say about our people. Um, I, you know, before I get into this, um, the, you're always going to have a bunch of haters, right? You're always going to have a bunch of, um, uh, colonialists, uh, people in the church, especially, um, you know, that want to, uh, make our culture, make our people because of religious reasons. Uh, they'll normally call it ritualistic. Uh, they'll normally uh, use words uh, like ritual because they want to associate religion. You know, I think that um, everybody knows that uh, the churches are wealthy. You know, I think the Catholic Church is like the biggest landowner in the world. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, when all the gold was stolen by Cortez, I think, you know, the first place it went, you know, was over there to uh, the churches. Uh, you know, somehow the tributes had to be paid, uh, you know, through uh, taxation or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, but, you know, you'll normally hear these ideas and um, I have to preface that because most of the time, I think people that have these ideas of the bloodletting, the sacrifice, the all oh, they were always killing people and always uh, sacrificing and uh, cannibalistic and this and this and that. Normally, those ideals that come from like the um, the 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 people that were like the church uh, people. You know, I guess, you know, what I was going to say is the people that molest all the little kids right now, like those people would be the ones that would be the same people perpetuating these narratives about our people, uh, you know, uh, being all these ritual, this ritual, that using uh, jargon and narratives and words and uh, mindsets of, you know, just being these 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 uh, savages. Right. Um, so I want to get that out of the way, because 
Um, you know, we need to start thinking different and we need to start having these arguments with this hint there that has this warped state of mind, uh, because most of the people that are going to come down, uh, you know, with these um, narratives, the ones that are really going to hold it like, you know, no, it happened every single time they played the ball game. A million people were killed or something like that. Those are normally going to be and I hate to say it. They're normally going to be your hardest bump Bible thumpers. Um, and that's a fact. Um, I mean, because I mean, it may not be a fact in your world, but what I've seen with all the inferences and all the people that I'm exposed to and all the people that uh, repeat these kinds of narratives and say these kinds of things, it's normally it's sad to say, uh, you know, the the people that, uh, you know, say they're holier than now. Normally, it's them. Uh, but anyways, uh, jumping back into uh, the episode, because I had to put that preface out there. Um, the Mesoamerican ball game was uh, basically a sport, you know, and um, they say that it's been around. I want to say, um, man, I've I heard uh, the other day it was it's been around for like three thousand five hundred years, give or take. Um, you know, so it is pre-Columbian. It's, uh, you know, from the ancients. Uh, a lot of people say the uh, Olmecs, uh, you know, basically invented uh, this. Not not the version of the Ulama, because the Ulama one is, uh, I think, still being played like to this day. And um, one thing that I noticed the other day, too, is that. And this is the reason that I had to give the preface about the, the you know, the, the people that are holier than now is it like, I mean, it was played throughout um, the regions throughout the United States, all the way down into central Mexico and um, even parts of South America. So, I mean, it spread out uh, pretty vastly. I mean, our people used it um, as a means uh, to um, and I got I got a little bit of information uh, from one of my homeboys. Uh, you know, who's a Chicano studies uh, teacher, uh, you know, big old shout out to Alan. Um The the uh, you know, our, our, our people used it uh, to settle our differences, you know, like a lot of times, you know, people would go to war or whatever, you know, instead of, you know, killing, you know, huge mass, mass, huge masses, amounts of people, um, you know, it was um, and I think. I think it wasn't always done, uh, you know, but it was obviously a way because, I mean, every time somebody had a duel, um, you know, I mean, they were basically, you know, trying to solve a conflict. Right. Uh, but instead of killing like, you know, everybody going to war, you know, I mean, it could just be a few people, you know, playing this game uh, to send, a, you know, uh, settle a land uh, dispute or whatever. But I also think that, you know, because of the uh, magnitude and how many of these ball courts were set up, uh, you know, everywhere, um, you know, I think you could grossly take things out of context. And um, in some cases, yeah, I think it was settled, uh, you know, to where some people probably had to, you know, uh, be sacrificed. Uh, but at the same time, I think that, you know, sometimes it was also, uh, you know, for other reasons as well. 
uh, you know, like, you know, hey, man, we got, you know, some pretty good guys, you know, we got some pretty good guys, you know, let's have fun, let's check it out, uh, you know, because we were all interconnected, and I think that sometimes it had uh, different reasons, uh, you know, so, you know, you can't always say that, like, every single time, you know, there were people dying, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think so, um, and unless, you know, you lived back then, and I mean, this is just my, per this is my perception, right? This is my perceived, uh, you know, notion that, you know, our people were better than that, uh, you know, to, you know, develop so many advanced technologies and, uh, you know, so, uh, so many things that we've given the world. I can't think that, you know, every single time this game was played, uh, you know, somebody had to die. I think some of it was for sport. Um, you know, I mean, how do you get good? You know, you got to compete and you got to do this for, you know, probably, you know, years. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, they're prized, uh, you know, like, I mean, if they had a, 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 a professional player, uh, so to speak, uh, like a, a Pele or somebody that was just like a, um, a once in a lifetime great, uh, you know, he was better than everybody. I mean, are you really just going to sacrifice him or kill him? It didn't make any sense, you know, to me, just as a thinker. And uh, I just got to put this down, you know, for some of the people that are out there always pushing, uh, you know, these narratives that really just sound like you're on the other side. I mean, who are you working for? Why are you going to put down our people? You know, I mean, are you are you are you one of them, you know, trying to dog on our people? I really just I, I got to say that because we got so many people that just sit there and they'll hear something that was written by a Eurocentric uh, viewpoint or somebody that don't care about our culture, hates us as a people, um, you know, just hates us. And then you're going to sit there and um, act like that's a good piece of information to be uh, bumping your gums about to everybody in the world. You know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then also fighting your own gente about it just because you read it in a book that a European wrote. And that European, just because he's a European, wrote it. He's supposed to be some um, person that's better at telling our history than our own people. You know what I mean? So um, getting back into, uh, you know, this episode, I have to, uh, you know, vent a little bit because, um, you know, we got people like that, y'all. And y'all need to check them. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, they say that... Um, the Ulama was a little bit similar to uh, racquetball, uh, you know, where the aim was to keep the ball in play. Um, you know, the, the ball courts were made out of stone, um, you know, and the goal um, and the, 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 the goals, uh, you know, are a late addition, you know, to the game. You know, they kind of look like uh, basketball goals, but they're sideways on the walls. And in most of the... Um, common theories of the game uh the the players they struck the ball with their hips and a lot of the and a lot of the versions uh you know were different you know like i'm trying to tell you some of them did allow the forearms uh rackets bats handstones uh you know the the ball was made of solid rubber um you remember they called us the rubber people back then and um this uh weighed as much as nine pounds and um the sizes uh you know differentiated um, you know, greatly over time and according to the version that was played. So again, there was a large time gap. There were a lot of different versions and there was in a lot of different places and a lot of different tribes. So you can't act like you know everything about every single tribe, right? Uh, the game had important 
uh, you know, aspects. And um, some of them, like I said, you know, did have to deal, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, uh, negatives. But I think some of them also had to deal, uh, you know, with positives. Um, as far as uh, history, uh, you know, you have different cultures uh, that combined, uh, you know, the competition, uh, you know, uh, with what I was talking about. Some of it may have been, uh, you know, the the human sacrifice or religious, uh, but some of it was purely for competition and the sport uh, was played, uh, you know, for recreation also by children, uh, you know, and many of them were also women. So, you know, this uh, idea, again, I just wanted to make sure that we don't think that, you know, women and children that are learning how to play the game were obviously, uh, you know, killing themselves the first time they play the game. How are you going to get good? You know what I mean? Uh, Pre-Columbian uh, ball courts, you know, have been found throughout, uh, you know, the Mesoamerica, um, as for example, uh, Copan, um, all the way down into modern Nicaragua, as possibly far uh, north as Arizona. You know what I'm saying? Arizona, that's pretty far. And uh, these ball courts uh, vary, uh, like I said earlier, um, in size. Uh, they have, um, you know, some of them have real uh, narrow alleys, uh, you know, with slanted uh, walls. Uh, some of them, uh, you know, are not as uh, narrow and some of them are not as slanted. Uh, but, you know, it was for the balls to be able to uh, bounce. And a lot of them found, you know, making some of these ball courts different in angles would help them bounce and roll better. Um, so, um, you know, sites with early uh, the early ball games were down over there by uh, San Lorenzo in uh, El Manati. In uh, Tlatlico and Tlapacoya. Uh, uh, so, this is basically the Tlatico uh, culture. Um, it is not known basically uh, when exactly Oyamalatsili originated, um, although it's likely that, you know, it was earlier um, than 1400 uh, BC. And um, a lot of the low-lying uh, tropical zones, uh, you know, were where the rubber was actually made. So that's kind of where they also kind of just uh, disseminate the information. Um, because a lot of people say that um, the ball game came from Sol Gunusco coastal lowlands along the Pacific. Um, here um, at Paso de la Amada. The archaeologists found um, the oldest ball court um, to date is, like I said, uh, 1,400 years uh, before, uh, you know, the um, ad advent of, uh, you know, the Europeans' uh, rituals of um, Christ. And um, the other major uh, candidate um, is the Omak Heartland across the isthmus of the the Huantepec, along the Gulf Coast, the Aztecs referred uh, to their uh, post-classic contemporaries who then inhabited uh, the region of the Olmeca, the rubber people, remember, were the rubber people. Since the region was strongly identified with latex uh, production, 
the earliest known rubber balls in the world they come from the sacrificial bog at El Manati, an early Olmec associated site, uh, you know, was located in the hinterland of the Coatzalcoalcos River drainage system. You got to remember, our people also uh, knew how to use water in um, aqueducts. And this was a big uh, reason that, you know, we were able to flourish in Mexico because it was hard to get water. Uh, you know, throughout the region, and, um, you know, that helped us with our population boom, um, but um, villagers, um, subsequently, archaeologists have uh, recovered dozens of balls that range, you know, um, in size uh, from 10 to 22 um, inches or centimeters in diameter, um, and they got them from the freshwater spring there. Um, five of the balls have been dated to the earliest known occupational phase for this site, which is about uh, 1700 uh, to 1600 uh, years uh, before Christ. So, you know, I mean, that, that tells you right there, you know, we're already pushing, you know, 3700 years, uh, you know, for just finding the rubber balls. Um, and they were buried, um, you know, indicating that this uh, date, um, you know, had some, um, religious and, uh, also some, uh, you know, connotations that, you know, could be taken, uh, you know, however, uh, if you want to, uh, say it's uh, ritualistic, that's fine. Um, a stone yoke of the family, uh, frequently associated with the Mesoamerican uh, ball court was also reported to have been found, uh, by, uh, villagers leaving open the distinct possibility that the rubber balls were related uh, to the uh, ritual uh, ball game um, and not simply an independent form of uh, sacrificial offering. Um, so uh, relief of the crown showing a scene from the Mesoamerican ball game. Um, you know, they got uh, some art, uh, you know, that shows uh, how important uh, this was to our peoples. And in excavations at the early uh, nearby Olmec uh, site of uh, San Lorenzo Tenochtitlan have also been uncovered a number of, uh, you know, figurines uh, for the ball uh, player. Uh, radiocarbon uh, is dating them as far back as, uh, you know, uh, 12 to 1300 years. And, um, you know, they found some rudimentary uh, ball courts um, and uh, San Lorenzo around 600 to 400 B.C., um, from the top of tropical lowlands, uh, the Olamalitzli apparently moved into central Mexico starting around a thousand years, uh, before Christ. Uh, so that was about 3000 years ago. Uh, some of the figurines that were, um, found at the burials of Tlatilco, uh, similarly styled, uh, you know, have been found, uh, near Tlapacoya, uh, a site. And um, it was uh, about the same time that the Chuchin Bala style ball player uh, figurines were crafted in uh, Guerrero. Although no ball courts of these uh, similar ages have been found in Tlatilco or Tlapacoya, it's uh, possible that the ball game was indeed played, uh, you know, on those areas. Uh, but the courts, you know, were perishable. Uh, you know, they had temporary court markers, uh, you know, they weren't made in the same kind of stone. Um, 300 years uh, before Christ, uh, evidence found 
uh, for Oyama Lotsley appears uh, throughout much of the Mesoamerican archaeological uh, record, including ball courts in the central Chiapas Valley. Um, these are uh, the next oldest ball courts that were discovered after Paso de la Mada. And in the uh, Oaxaca Valley, as well as uh, ceramic ball game tableaus uh, from western Mexico. And um, the material and uh, formal aspects, as might be expected, you know, with a game they played uh, over such a long period of time uh, by many cultures, details varied over time and place. So the Mesoamerican ball game might be more accurately seen as a family of uh, related games. Um, so, you know, it, it, it branched off different, uh, you know, forms. In general, the the hit ball version is most popular throughout Mesoamerica. And um, research uh, believes that this version was pretty much the primary one. Um, and perhaps only version played with masonry ball court. Ample archaeology uh, evidence exists uh, where the game was struck by a wooden stick. A mural at Teotihuacan shows a game which uh, resembles uh, field hockey, rackets, bats, batons, handstones, and forearms, perhaps at times in combination. Each of the various types of games had its own size of ball, specialized gear, and playing field and rules. Games were played between two teams of players. The number of players per team uh, could vary between two to four. Uh, some games were played on makeshift courts for simple recreation, while others were formal spectacles on the huge stone ball courts leading, uh, you know, to uh, human sacrifice. So this is cool that, I mean, if, if you know, you're only looking at two to four people, uh, you know, uh, as opposed to like killing a thousand, you know, I mean, that's probably pretty damn cool. Uh, you know, like, hey, we're going to take, uh, you know, two or uh, four uh, of my best people that play this game, you're going to take two or four, you know, let's just say it's four each, you know, you kill, or let's just say an average of three each, you know, y'all kill six people, at, or no, you only kill three people as opposed to, you know, my whole crew of a thousand, you know, or 500, you know, I mean, you just saved, you know, hundreds of lives, you know, so, I mean, you can look at it in a whole bunch of ways, but I think that's what's important. Is it when you read into our history and you look into our history and um, you're getting taught from somebody that has a, 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 a point of view that is for Rasa or for the betterment of, uh, you know, the narrative, uh, you know, uh, our, our stories need to be told by our people, period. Uh, you know, if you're going to be hearing um, a whitewashed version of, um, you know, our culture, um, I think you need to be suspect because some of these people, like I said earlier, um, and, we, and even some of our own people, you know, a lot of times will sell us out. You know, they'll talk about how, uh, you know, uh, you know, super sacrificial or super ritualistic or, you know, we ate each other after, you know, we, we started eating thumbs or something, you know, just something gross. You know, they always got to turn it into something just nasty, you know, and that's 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 really the, the part that I think punches my buttons is that we have our own fucking gente, you know, will take, you know, something and they'll just repeat it like a parrot. Like, like, just like, like call them, you know, I'm gonna call them an uncle Tom because they, they might as well just be a tool for, uh, you know, the man, because that's all they're doing. It's like, Oh yeah. Oh, 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 Oh yeah. They killed. Oh, Oh, they were rituals. Oh, you know what I mean? They're just, you know, and I, to me, 
that gets old, you know, and it, it, it bothers me. It really does. It bothers me. And uh, there's only like a few times that I get bothered. And it's it's with with that narrative that we're just, you know, bloodletting stupid ass people. You know, it's just another way to just degrade, dehumanize and make our people, um, you know, like, I mean, we didn't we didn't build the pyramids. Right. You know, I mean, we're just, we're, you know, we were aliens back then or the, the aliens came and visited us. You know, anyways, even, uh, you know, without. Uh, this idea of human sacrifice, the game could be brutal, um, you know, just playing it, uh, you know, where a lot of times serious injuries, uh, you know, were inflicted, you know, because the ball was heavy and it was solid. And uh, uh, today uh, the players are uh, perpetually bruised. Um, nearly 500 years ago, the Spanish chronicler uh, Diego Duran reported that some of the bruises were so severe that they had to be lanced open. He uh, also reported that players were even killed when the ball hit them in the mouth or in the stomach or in the intestines. The rules, uh, regardless of the version, are not known in any detail. Uh, but um, in the modern game, it resembles a netless volleyball with each team confined to one half of the court in the most widespread version of the, you know, Ulama, the ball is hit back and forth using only the hips until one team fails to return it or even the ball leaves the court. And in the post-classic period, the Maya began placing vertical stone rings on each side of the court and the object being to pass the ball through one and an, an innovation that continued into the later Totec and Aztec uh, re, uh, cultures and um, the 16th century Aztec ball game that the Spaniards uh, witnessed points where the points were lost by a player who let the ball bounce more than twice before returning it to the other team who let the ball go outside the boundaries of the court or who tried and failed to pass the ball through one of the stone rings placed on each wall along the center line according to the 16th century Aztec chronicler Motolinia points were gained in the in, in the ball hit the opposite end wall while the decisive victory was reserved for the team that put the ball through a ring however placing the ball through the ring was a rare event the rings at Chichen Itza for example were set six meters or 20 feet 20 feet off the playing field and most games were likely won on points so uh there's a lot of like i said versions there's a lot of uh vantage points a lot of views on how the game uh you know uh was played as far as the rules go and two of uh, the palmas from the um metropolitan museum um are in New York, and um, the these palmas were uh, basically some of the equipment uh, that was used in uh, the Mesoamerican ball game, and they come from uh, Veracruz. Like we got a lot of stuff that um, is in museums, uh, you know that you know are in New York or all around the world, really. Like even in Europe and Britain, you know that we can't see. And I'd love to take a look at you know some of the equipment that they used. Uh, because, um, you know, it's our, it's, it's, it's ours. It's our, our, our history. And I, I think that, I, you know, they, they, they should make that accessible to us, our people. But, um, a lot of the paraphernalia and the clothing and the headdresses and the gloves, all but the stone are, uh, you know, long gone. So, so knowledge on clothing, 
uh, relies on the, the arts and the paintings and the drawings. Uh, you know, the stone uh, relief figurines uh, do show us evidence of the pre-Columbian ball player clothing and gear, which varied considerably in type and quantity. Uh, a lot of the masks and capes, for example, uh, were shown on uh, several of the uh, Danzu reliefs, while Teotihuacan murals show men playing stick ball in skirts. So, I mean, there's a lot of um, our history that was basically saved through, um, you know, our stone making art and, uh, you know, the way that we just, uh, you know, were able to, uh, you know, conceptualize um, all of the different artifacts that we uh, have. Uh, National Museum of Anthropology also has a figurine of a, peloto, a pelota player and um, the basic hip game outfit consists of a loincloth, uh, sometimes augmented with leather hip guards. Uh, loincloths are found on the earliest ball player figurines from the Tlatilco, the La Pacoya, and the Olmec culture. Are seen in the weeded drawing from the 1528, and with hip guards are the sole outfit of modern day Ulama players, a span of nearly 3,000 years. In many culture, many cultures, further protection was provided by a thick girdle, most likely of uh, wicker or wood, covered in fabric or leather, made from perishable materials. None of these uh, girdles have ever survived, although many uh, stone yokes have also been uncovered and misnamed by earlier archaeologists due to the resemblance to the animal yoke. This stone yoke is thought to be too heavy for actual play and was likely used only before or after the game in ritual context. Um... Some of the protection of the ball uh, was from the girdle or the yoke, and it helped to propel the ball with more force, more force than the hip uh, below uh, alone. And additionally, you know, some of the players even wore chest protectors, um, these palmas, uh, you know, which were inserted into the yoke. They stood um, upright in front of the chest. Um, they had knee pads on a lot of the players. Um, in many of the eras, uh, they wore uh, forearm. Uh, I guess protectors and garters uh, were seen just below the knee, around the ankles. Um, it's not known um, what a lot of the functions are, but I mean, I, you know, I mean, I guess it's just protection, like gloves, uh, purported ball players, reliefs. Um, roughly 500 years before, um, well, we'll just say 20, 2,600 years, you know, ago, uh, the Aztec players are drawn. Uh, 2,000 years. They're also drawn, uh, you know, with a lot of the uh, helmets and uh, headdresses, and um, a lot of the depictions, uh, you know, show the 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 Maya vases uh, actually have these uh, ball players on them, um, and a lot of them even have, you know, the knee pads, um, which is, uh, you know, also uh, pretty cool. On one of the pictures that I'm looking at right now, it's got this Maya image. Uh, you know, with he with, with uh, like a forearm deal uh, on him. So uh, there's just some detail in a lot of the art that you can actually look at. Uh, you know, you'll see uh, rubber balls on some of these art, um, you know, holding uh, feathers, uh, you know, making offerings, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, whatever uh, they were offering them for. Uh, because a lot of people say that 
our people didn't even have a concept of, uh, you know, the word being used as uh, God. Um, so I don't know how much truth that there is to that because I know that, um, you know, some things can be taken out of context. But um, the sizes or weights of balls um, actually used uh, in the ball game are not known with any uh, certainty. While several dozen ancient balls have been recovered, they were originally, um, you know, offerings. And, um, you know, when, 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 when we talk about God, um, you know, in, in our people and in, in, in me saying what I said a minute ago, the concept of God to them, I think a lot of times, you know, when you're looking at, um, rain or you're looking at, uh, corn or you're looking at sustenance or food or being able to make it through a season, uh, you know, they were praying, uh, you know, for these things to happen. But they were praying in, like, the respect of, like, the earth uh, being a real live uh, organism, you know. Um, I think I, I heard um, Russell Means talking a little bit about this, you know, throughout Indian culture um, or Native American culture. Indigenous people um, didn't really see God in the context of how um, Europeans, uh, you know, talk about, um, you know, gods, um, you know, we had understandings of like the world that we live in and, um, the, the, the mother earth, uh, you know, is a real life, uh, organism, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's something it produces and it hurts too. Um, you know, they, I think the story he uses when they drilled into uh, the earth, I'm not sure how far they had to drill uh, to find out, um, you know, that there was, you know, the, 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 the earth is, is alive um, in, as far as being in the context of, a, a, of the universe. It's, 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 it's a live uh, piece of the universe. Um, you know, the activity of them, you know, dr you know, drilling into, I think they were in Antarctica or something like that, drilling this big old huge hole into the earth and the way that it was reacting uh, to them drilling, they were able to, you know, pick up, uh, you know, seismic, um, I'm not sure, you know, what you would call those readings or whatever, but um, it was apparent that, you know, there were, there, there were um, reactions you know, to that drilling. And it was uh, the way that Russell put it is that, you know, they were hurting uh, Mother Earth. And in, in, in fact, we do that, you know, when we damage it, you know, or her with pollution. And um, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, I just think that that's a concept, you know, when we're looking at, you know, drought, um, you know, the land, uh, you know, um, corns and crops. And, um, you know, some of the seasons sometimes, you know, would not come back would not grow would not uh you know produce for them and i think a lot of times uh you know native american society uh you know being as rich as it is uh you know viewed uh you know all these ideas of um you know the the world as a a a live uh organism that gives and um, I think that's part of the uh, conceptualization or realization 
that um, our um, ancestors had. Um, you know, if you want to really break it down to, you know, the way that they visualized, you know, um, offerings, um, you know, they weren't like giving offerings, uh, you know, to gods. They were um, sacrificing or, um, you know, giving something, you know, to, to, to the world. Um, and, and, and in fact, they weren't really like saying, you know, hey, that's that's a god. You know, um, uh, uh, something is, is is all around, uh, you know, making uh, this happen. No, they were actually saying they hope that the corn comes, uh, you know, and here is our tribute, uh, you know, to that or whatever. And um, I don't know. I think everybody's going to have different view- viewpoints, uh, but I'm just really trying to, um, you know, understand, you know, our people. And, um, you know, I think it'd be nice if everybody tried to do that, you know, instead of always uh, dehumanizing or, um, you know, degrading, uh, you know, our people. Um, because I think it's important, you know, uh, reading, uh, you know, based on uh, these uh, games, these balls, these uh, evidences, uh, you know, we weren't there. We don't know what was in their mind, uh, you know, when they were playing these hit balls. You know, uh, but, you know, I can't tell you this. Rubber is very important and rubber does a lot of things throughout the world and the world did not have rubber. Uh, most of these balls were made from that latex sap rubber um, and it's only found in the lowland Castilla elastica tree. Uh, someone uh, discovered it by mixing latex, uh, you know, with just some sap and some vines, um, you know, a species of uh, morning glory. And they could turn the, the, the polymers into a, a, a real latex rubber. And um, that's what I was telling you. The size varied, you know, 10, 12 inches, um, weighed 3 to 6 pounds. Uh, the balls um, were used, uh, you know, for handball, stickball. Uh, some of them larger than uh, modern-day baseball. Uh, some of the Mayas, uh, you know, painted uh, different pictures of different sizes of balls. Uh, you know, academics, uh, consensus, uh, you know, a lot of times they depict or exaggerate, uh, you know, plenty of things, uh, you know, as far as headdresses worn and um, a lot of the, 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 the depictions that are made. Uh, so you got to be careful because um, it was played, um, you know, in sometimes the masonry uh, structures uh, that, you know, had some changes. Uh, between, you know, 2,700 years ago and uh, 1,300 years ago, uh, they've been identified in 60% uh, percent, um, of uh, in the last 20 years alone. All bull courts have the same general shape, a long, narrow, playing alley flanked by walls with both horizontal and sloping, more rarely vertical surfaces. The walls were often plastered and brightly painted. In early ball courts, the alleys were open, and later ball courts uh, had enclosed end zones, giving the structures an eye shape uh, when viewed from above. While the length to width ratio remained relatively constant uh, at about 4 to 1, there was a tremendous variation in the ball court size. And the, play, the playing field of the, ball, the great ball court at Chichen Itza by far was the largest measured um, at 96.5 meters long, by 30 meters wide. So almost 100 meters long and 30 meters wide. And um, there was a court in uh, Tikal that was only 16 meters 
uh, you know, by five meters. So a lot of them, uh, you know, like I said, they 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 varied in the way like um, I'm looking at a couple of different um, uh, way that the actual shapes of them were and the angles of the walls and everything were different. Um, like in Copan and Uxmal and Chochicalco and Monte Alban and Chichen Itza and Toloquila, uh, you know, you have different, um, like walls and, um, the narrowness of like how you could step, uh, you know, on the ground from where the, um, the, 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 um, the hoop is at on the side, you know, if you're looking at the cross section, like right down the middle and you could see the walls and the way that, you know, they're angled, it is different on a lot of these, uh, different types, um, because, you know, they were built and they were used for many generations. A lot of them, you know, are found within, uh, you know, the ruins, not equally distributed, uh, you know, throughout, uh, geography, uh, for example, uh, the late classic site of El Tajin was the largest city in ball, ball game, Obsessed classic Veracruz culture. It had at least 18 ball courts in Canonta or Cantona and nearby contemporary sites sets the record with 24 uh, ball courts. In contrast, northern Chiapas and northern Maya lowlands have relatively few and ball courts are conspicuously absent at the major sites, including Teotihuacan, Bonampak, and Tortuguero, although Oyamalitsli iconography has been found there so get that like they can't find none and they'll see what's on yeah right you know they destroyed them duh ancient cities with particularly fine uh ball courts in good condition include Tikal, yaksa copan goba ichichmi monte alban uxmal chichen itza yagul uh chochicalco mixpo or mixco viejo Zacuela. Uh, uh, ball courts were public spaces used for a variety of elite cultural events and as ritual activities like musical performances and festivals. And of course, the ball game. Uh, pictorial depictions often show musicians playing at ball games, votive deposits buried at the main ball court at Tenochtitlan contain miniature whistles, ocarinas, and drums. Uh, Pre Columbian ceramic from Western Mexico shows. What appears to be wrestling match taking place on a ball court. Uh, the cultural aspects, um, obviously, you know, is a proxy for warfare. Uh, there's a stela from El Baul in the Cosmuahulpa nuclear zone showing two ball players. Oyamatsulitsli was a ritual deeply ingrained in Mesoamerican cultures and served purposes beyond that of a mere sporting event. Fray Juan de. Torquimada, a 16th century Spanish missionary and visionary, tells the Aztec emperor Ayax played Aksayacaro, played Chihuitlamoc, a leader in the Chochimilco, wagering his annual income against his uh, against several Chochimilco Chinampas. Ixtilchochli, a uh, contemporary of Torquimada, relates that Topilitzini, the Totec king, played against three rivals well, with the winner ruling over the losers. See, they didn't kill nobody in that one. They just said, you know, hey, you're, we're going to rule over your people if you lose. 
These examples and others are cited by many researchers who have made compelling arguments that all Yamalitsli served a way to defuse or resolve conflicts without genuine warfare, to settle disputes through a ball game instead of a battle. And over time, the ball game's role would expand to include not only external medi- medi- uh, mediation, but also the resolution of competition and conflict within the society as well. This boundary maintenance or conflict resolution theory would also account for some of the irregular distribution of ball courts. Overall, there appears to be negative correlation between the degree of political centralization and the number of ball courts at a site. For example, the Aztec Empire, the strong centralized state and few external rivals had relatively few ball courts, while middle classic Cantona, with 24 ball courts, had many diverse cultures residing there under a relatively weak state. Other scholars support these arguments by pointing to the warfare imagery often found at ball courts. The Southeast Panel of the South Ball Court, El Tahin, shows the protagonist ball player after being dressed in a warrior gab. Well, captives are a prominent part of the ball game iconography, for example. Uh, several ceramic figurines show war captives holding ball games. The ball court at Donina was decorated with sculptures of bound captives and a captive with the ball motif um, seen on hieroglyphic stairs at Structure 33 in Yaxchilan and on Altar 8 at Tikal. The modern-day descendant of the ball game Yulama until quite recently was connected with warfare and many reminders that associates uh, or reminds uh, many reminders of the um, association remain. So, you know, I guess you're always going to have, uh, you know, the negative uh, aspect of the... Um, the, the 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 depiction of uh, human sacrifice on the ball courts, um, and I think that was you know a, a part of it. You know I'm not going to say that it wasn't. Um, you know the Popovo also um, see it links uh, the game, uh, you know to that, and um, you know those are the friars or the phrase or the religious aspects. Um, captives were often shown in the 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 art. Um, and it assumed that these captives, uh, was assumed that these captives, again, assumed, um, that they were going to die after, uh, losing a rigged ritual ballgame or be sacrificed. Rather than nearly, uh, nude and sometimes battered captives, however, the ball courts in El Tahin and Chichen Itza show the sacrifice of the practiced ball players, perhaps the captain of the team. Decapitation is particularly associated with the ball game. Several heads are featured in much uh, late classic ball game art and appeared repeatedly in the Popovo. There has uh, been speculation that the heads and the skulls were used as balls. Come on now. Symbolism. Little is known about the game's symbolic contents. Several themes recur in scholarly writing. Um, there was a solid rubber ball used um, from 300 B.C. to 250 A.D., depicted in a picture uh, here. Um, you know, they're just showing us, you know, what the bouncing ball, uh, you know, represents. Um, as far as the sun, looks like uh, scoring rings are being speculated to signify sunrise, uh, sunset, the equinoxes. 
war. This is the most obvious uh, symbolic aspect of the game. Uh, you know, when we're talking about the proxy. And um, obviously, you know, we got the uh, of Vol with his uh, two cents. Uh, fertility, formative uh, period ball players. Uh, most likely females often wore Maiz icons and El Tahin. The ball player sacrifice ensured the renewal of Bulke, an alcoholic beverage uh, made by Magwai Cactus Beverage. And um, the cosmetic duality, the game is seen as a struggle between the day and the night and or the battle between life and the underworld. Courts were considered portals to the underworld and were built in the key locations within the central ceremonial precincts, and playing the ball engaged one of the maintenance of the cosmic order of the universe in ritual, regeneration of life. Um, so the myth, uh, the Nawa, the Leyenda de los Sols, the Totec King, Huamac, played ball against the Tlalocs, and uh, with precious stones and Quetzal feathers at stake, Huamac won the game when instead of precious stones and feathers, the rain deities offered Huamac their young maize ears and maize leaves. Huamac refused as a consequence of this vanity. The Toltecs suffered a four-year drought in the same ball game match with its unfortunate aftermath signified the beginning of the end of the Toltec region. And, um... There's um portrait of a uh, ball court marker at a Maya site uh, called the Chinkultik, dated to 591. And um, it's uh, pretty cool. Looks kind of like a calendar, but um, it has a ball player, uh, you know, with the ball in the middle of it. And it's called the Maya twin myth of the Popovo, establishing the importance of the game referred to in classic Maya as pits. As a symbol of war, fair, intimately connected to the themes of fertility and death. The story begins with the hero's twin's father, Hun Hunapu, the, vunk, the uncle of Vukub, and Huan Hapu, uh, playing ball near the underworld, Chi Balba. And the lords of the underworld became annoyed with the noise from the ball playing, and so the primary lords of Chi Balba. One death and seven uh, deaths sent owls to lure the brothers of the ball court of Chi Balba. Situated of the western edge of the underworld, and despite the dangers of the balls, um, falling asleep, captured and sacrificed by the lords of Chibalba, and then buried in the ball court. Um, I guess it's just a, a story of this Hun Hanapu being decapitated, and um, his head is hung in a fruit tree, and um, it bears the first Calabish gourds. Um, this Hun Huapu's head splits into the hands. Of a passing goddess who conceives and bears the hero's twins Huanhapu and Ex Balancli. The hero twins eventually find the ball game equipment in the father's house and start playing. And again, the annoyance of the lords uh, Chibalba, who summoned the twins to play the ball game, amidst trials and dangers. In one notable episode, the Huanhapu is decapitated by bats, and his brother uses a squash as Huanapu's substitute head until his real one, now used as a ball by the lords that can be retrieved and placed back on Huanapu's shoulders. The twins eventually go back and play the ball game with the lords of Chibalba defeating them, and however the twins are unsuccessful in retrieving their father, uh, so they leave him buried in the ball court at Chibalba. So, um, the Maya civilization uh, had... 
uh, huge uh, ball court called the Great Ball Court at Chichen Itza. And in the Maya ball game, the uh, Hero Twins myth links ball courts with death and its overcoming. The ball court becomes a place of transition, a liminal stage between life and death, and the ball court markers along the center line of the classic playing field depicted ritual and mythical scenes of the ball game, often bordered by a quatrefoil that marked a portal into another world. And the twins themselves, however, they are usually absent from the classic ball game scenes with the classic forerunner of the Vukub Kakui of Copan ball court holding the severed arm of the Huanapu as an important exception. Del Tihuacan, no ball court has yet been identified at Del Tihuacan, making it by far the largest classic era without one. In fact, the ball game seems to have nearly been forsaken, not only in Teotihuacan, but in areas such as Matacapan or Tikal that were under Teotihuacano influence. Despite the lack of a ball court games were not unknown there, the murals of Tepanantitila compound at Teotihuacan show a number of small scenes that seem to portray various types of ball games, including a two-player ball game and an open-ended masonry ball court and teams using sticks in an open field whose end zones are marked by stone monuments and separate renditions of some single players. Um, it has been hypothesized that for great reasons, uh, yet unknown the stick game eclipsed to the hip ball game at Teotihuacan and Teotihuacan-influenced cities. And often after the fall of Teotihuacan did the hip ball game reassert itself. Ball player um, uh, from Tipantitla uh, murals are uh, painted um, you know, on some of these uh, detailed murals um, that show the hip ball game, open-ended ball court representing the parallel horizontal lines. And um, the Aztecs version of the game is called uh, the uh, Oyamalitzli. Um, and they're derived from the word oli or rubber, uh, which is a verb uh, oyama. Uh, to play ball, the ball was called Oyama Yoni, and the ball court was called the Tlachli. In the Aztec capital, Tenochtitlan, the largest ball court was called Teotihuacan. In the holy ball court, here several important rituals would take place on the festivals of the month Pankodzatlatli, including the sacrifice of the four war captives to the honor of Hu Huitzilopochtli. And his herald, Pownal. For the Aztecs, the playing of the ball game also had some religious significance. But um, in the 16th century, the Kichimaya saw the game as a battle between the lords of the underworld and their earthly adversaries. Uh, their Aztec contemporaries may have seen it as a battle of the sun, personified by who weeps Lilpochli against the forces of the night, led by the moon and the stars, and represented by the goddess Goyolak. And Kolikus, sons of the 400 Hutsnahua. But apart from the holding, uh, important ritual and mythical meaning, the ball game from the Aztecs was a sport and a pastime played for fun. See? A sport and a pastime played for fun. Although, in general, the Aztec game was a prerogative of the nobles. 
Aztec Ulamatsli players performing for Charles V in Spain, drawn by Christoph Wiedits. In 1528, young Aztecs would be taught ball playing in the Gamacock school, and those were most proficient might become so famous they could play professionally. Games world would frequently be staged in the different cities, wards, and markets, often accompanied by large-scale betting. Diego Duran, an early Spanish chronicler, said that these wretches sold their children in order to bet and even stake themselves and became slaves. Since the rubber tree Castilla Elastica was not found in the highlands of the Aztec Empire, the Aztecs generally received the balls and the rubber as tribute from the lowland areas where it was grown. The Codex Mendoza gives a figurine or a figure of 16,000 lumps of raw rubber being imported to Tenochtitlan from the southern provinces every six months. Although not all of it was used for making balls. In 1528, soon after the Spanish conquest, Cortes sent a troop, eh? a troop of Oyamanim ball players to Spain to perform for Charles V, where they were drawn by German uh, Christoph Wiedits. Besides the fascination with the exotic visitors, the Europeans were amazed by the bouncing rubber balls. In the Pacific courts, ball courts, monuments with ball games imagery and ball game paraphernalia have been excavated at sites along the Pacific coast of Guatemala and El Salvador, including Kotsu Malhuapa, nuclear zone sites to Bilbao and El Bau, and sites right at the southeast periphery of the Mesoamerican region, such as Guilepa. Uh, Caribbean Babadi ball game played on many Caribbean islands, including Cuba, Puerto Rico, and the West Indies, has been proposed as a descendant of the Mesoamerican ball game, perhaps through the Maya. Um, so, I mean, it's just something that you can look into. Um, you can find, you know, more extensive, uh, you know, information on how widely uh, distributed, uh, you know, this pastime. Uh, you know, was, you know, for our gente, uh, but also realize that, you know, in some uh, different tribes, um, you know, it was played, you know, uh, you know, by 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 class, uh, the nobles um, and some people uh, played it for fun and some people played it for disputes or war. But um, there is no finite reason uh, to say that, uh, you know, just because you hear something one time doesn't mean that, you know, you need to, uh, you know, go and perpetuate that one piece of information uh, that you learned. You know, maybe you should learn a little bit more, you know, about our culture, uh, you know, before getting out there. And I'm, I am uh, talking um, like in a very antagonistic way. And um, I have to uh, because I think that a lot of people get our um, our, our culture wrong. And, um, it, 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 that was really the, um, only, um, well, that was one of the reasons that I did this particular episode, uh, you know, today is because I, I, I get, I, I hear a lot of that, you know, and, um, when I hear a lot of that, I just want to clarify, uh, you know, with preface, um, you know, instead of just, you know, arguing with gente, uh, you know, I'd rather just go ahead and say, you know what, I got this uh, voice platform podcast. Let me just go ahead and make a uh, podcast, you know, about a certain um, topic that is coming to mind. And, um, you know, if you want to do more research, 
uh, you know, on it and, uh, you know, find, uh, you know, where we can have like, you know, a conversation that, you know, isn't totally negative amongst our our people perpetuating ideas of, uh, you know, white supremacy, then cool. Uh, you know, because our people are great people, our people are smart people, our people, you know, were the inventors of, uh, you know, a good thing that saved um, a lot of, uh, you know, deaths uh, because, you know, a lot of people did go to war. I mean, look at what, you know, the World War Two and World War One, how many casualties did that bring? Uh, how many lives did, uh, you know, this particular game uh, save, you know, should be the real question. Uh, you know, before, uh, you know, people start, you know, perpetuating the violence or the negativity surrounding, uh, you know, the narrative, uh, you know, in which you speak, uh, have a positive, uh, you know, outlook on our people. And I think that it'll be con